1: We're back with another Blunt Business on cannabisrio.com, and our next guest uh, represents a company that is definitely very familiar to the audience out there, especially if you listen to our Plant Profits series, because uh, we've actually had their CEO, uh, Bradley Natras, who has been on our program numerous times on Plant Profits. I would definitely recommend you go check out those shows. But with us today is the Executive Vice President of Professionals Versus Fully Integrated Architecture, Engineering, and Cultivation Systems integration company serving the commercial cannabis and food-focused controlled environment agriculture sector. And with me is the Senior Vice President of Design Services at Urban Grow, Sam Andrus. Sam, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and the, uh, the audience.
1: So we're going to go very much in depth into the concept of fully integrated Architecture. So, really, just taking the greenhouse idea and the cultivation system, and really showing the complexities of it. Just break it wide open and really a deep dive inside what's all going on. So, now to date, you've been involved in the design of over 100 cultivation projects and 50 dispensary facilities in 21 states and three countries, totaling over 8 million square feet. Just give a little bit of your resume. Now, let's go ahead and talk about how you were brought into the mix. Now, Urban Grow recently closed on acquiring which has been going on for start of the year. It's now been closed that they acquired MJ 12 design studio and the parent company two WR plus partners of which you serve as senior principal and partner. Now you serve on their executive leadership team heading urban grows, architecture, engineering, and design offering. So talk to me about this entry with your companies, these companies coming into urban grow into this fast growing publicly traded cannabis company.
0: Sure. Yeah. So Kind of going back in time, 2001, we opened 2WR in Georgia. 2012, we opened 2WR in Colorado. 2013, we have the opportunity to do our first cannabis project. And, you know, at the time, we're doing a lot of uh, government work, higher education, K-12, military work. And we made this strategic decision that we really wanted to pursue the cannabis market, but we didn't want to blend that cannabis in with other sectors we were working in, so we launched the MJ-12 Design Studio uh, brand, and we, uh, you know, like you said, kind of an intro We've we've actually now we're up to about 130 facility designs, 21 states. I think we're actually four countries now. And it it was a very, very successful venture for us. We dove in 100%, started attending trade shows, bringing some of our design methodologies from other sectors into the cannabis and really dug into learning and understanding where the cannabis industry and CEA industry were headed. It was highly successful for us. And in 2019, we had our first opportunity to work with Urban Grow, and we found it to be a a highly successful venture. And I know we'll talk a little later about integrated design solutions and what that means, but building on that, you know, we, we, I think from 2019 to 2020 did about three or four projects with urban grow and found it to be, you know, very, uh, successful easier for the clients and, and great ventures. Fast forward to, uh, November, 2020, we get a call about an acquisition about becoming a part of the urban grow team. Let me go to ask you
1: real quick. I'm going to follow along real quick. And I want to take a story from Colorado Hometown Weekly. So this acquisition makes Urban Grow the first fully integrated architecture, engineering, and cultivation systems operator in the cannabis-controlled environmental agriculture, or CEA space. And Bradley, who I prefaced at the start of the show, made this point, quote, this accredited and synergistic acquisition positions." urban grove for a strong future in the global CEA market. The company can now directly address more challenges faced by cultivators when expanding existing or designing new CEA facilities. Quote, the inclusion of the architecture allows us now to offer our clients complete design capabilities for their cultivation, processing, extraction, and retail facilities. Moreover, the move brings the company one step closer to our goal of delivering complete end-to-end turnkey indoor CEA facilities. If you could give me a little bit of a background on what are some of the it, the obstacles that some of these uh, those that would hire to be have one of these spaces built out, what are some of the common things they're looking for to unco- that they encounter or are looking to try to go ahead and have as a solution for what you're providing? So I think that
0: as an architect, it's important that that we're able to organize and coordinate teams and bring together integrated design solutions so that in the ca industry in the cannabis includes the the water treatment fertigation benching lighting environmental control systems fan layouts all of those components that make up the uh, the cultivation aspect of the design Along with that, you've got structural engineering, mechanical, plumbing, electrical, all those pieces of the puzzle that also impact the overall design and shape the project. With the urban growth team, we now have under one umbrella architecture, mechanical, plumbing, electrical, integrated cultivation design. So the design of benching water treatment, lighting, fertigation, fan layouts, uh, environmental controls, all of that's in one house. Previously, prior to this, we'd work with the client, there might be 15 people on a call, each representing different aspects of the, the design. Now, when we Integrate all those services. It's led by the architectural team. And we bring in those other pieces of the puzzle specifically to focus on areas of their areas of design. So, cultivation, design, mechanical, plumbing, electrical. uh, And those people are involved in the calls on an as needed basis. And at the end of the day, we're consolidating 15 down to three or four. It simplifies the process. And then two, the the other aspect is, is really organizing all of those components and being able to put into the documents uh, a methodology by which you're able to tell a general contractor who's providing what pieces of equipment, who's installing that equipment, and even coordinating with the mechanical and electrical Uh, components of the the design side, what the requirements are for each of these pieces of equipment, because it's very intricate. And I think that one of the things that's fascinating to me is initially when we started in this industry, architects were kind of looked at like really only a means and methods by which to get a, a permittable set of documents to build a facility as the industry has evolved, clients have begun to really see more of what architects bring to the team in terms of functional flow, operations, systems, and, and really how to develop facilities that streamline their operations, help them get a, uh, a lower cost to market more energy efficient solutions.
1: There's a lot What you brought in, I'm looking from a story from MJ Daily that you wrote an article for them uh, talking about overcoming the building challenge. There's a lot, and I'll be happy to go and drop this link into the description for those that want to go and check this out for themselves, but if, I can just take a couple of things just because of how intense you have the, the information you have when it comes to the types of buildings that you're looking to build if you're looking to start up. And building a space, this CEA facility, you have several different building types as well that cannabis, soaker, cannabis owners can focus on, which would be pre-engineered metal buildings, conventional steel buildings, and heavy timber historic mill buildings, each with their own unique challenges as related to the cannabis industry. If you could briefly kind of just go by what each of them would be and really, what are people really, if there's any particular model that's more common than others that has been asked of
0: yeah i think um great question it's you know i think that in general let's say the the first question do you build from the ground up and build a brand new building or do you buy something that's existing and and jump in and design an interior that that fits your needs uh, you know when when clients are kind of looking at those two different options. One of the things obviously is, is time to speed the market. So when you start from ground up, you've got to get through all the site development, uh, all of the uh, site permitting and then erecting that building shell. And, and just in terms of time, you're gonna add you know, six to eight you know, months of additional time to get that online now the beauty of ground up brand new construction is you're going to put in place exactly what you need when you go for the let's go shorter time frame mold what we need into something that's existing there there are the variety of different building types of three you outline heavy timber conventional steel pre-engineered metal building pre-engineered metal buildings inherently Our design, basic design pre-engineered metal buildings carry about maybe four to five pounds of collateral load that they can carry, which is dead load basically on the design. When you get into cultivation, you've got ceilings, lighting, ductwork, sprinklers that all have to be supported from that system. So while the building, when you walk in, it's got these vast, clear spans inherent with pre-engineered metal buildings. It may look beautiful, but then when you get in and start looking at the ability of that system to carry loads, it may not be so sweet. Now you have to upgrade the structure in order to make it work with what you're trying to put on the inside. Conventional steel, uh, somewhat the same because the you're generally not going to design conventional steel to carry, you know, fast loads over what you actually need. But there, are, there is generally more load capacity on conventional steel than built into a pre-engineered metal building. And then I think one of the challenges with heavy timber becomes the, the columns spacing, the breakup of the interior of space. Heavy timber inherently has more columns space throughout the building and working with those columns can be difficult, especially if you're really a a cultivation methodology group that focuses on larger rooms.
1: And like I said, I'll go ahead and make sure to go and drop that link off to people if they want to go and take a look at that for themselves. But also I would just go ahead and in case you're not catching this and you don't have a chance to write this down, look for the mmjdaily.com article, overcoming the building challenge, which is a multi-part series that you wrote a lot of good information packed into that so i'm here with sam address the senior vp of design services at urban grow here on blunt business and coming back from a short break i want to go and talk to you about a study that was taken from the american council from an energy efficient economy they actually put out a lot of information when it comes to the controlled environment agriculture they've learned from other industries that will be very pertinent to the cannabis industry i'm going to talk to sam about that after a short break stay with us we'll be right back rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business save
0: big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
1: We're back with Sam Andrews, Senior VP of Design Services at Urban Grow here on Blunt Business. And I know a lot of people that might catch the episode today. It might be a little bit in the weeds for everybody, but we're going to try to break down everything as much as we can. The understanding of integrated architecture and understanding really I mean, for the first time I've ever heard about the controlled environment agriculture, which is, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's so much before I even ask what I'm going to go to next. Is it really just the next step, the next generation of what greenhouses are, are going to be now these days? Um,
0: indoor agriculture versus greenhouse. Well, is there, what's the difference? Great question. So indoor agriculture really is the, it gives you the ability to completely control the environmental parameters in which you're growing and do so on a level that you can have consistency of your environment on a day-to-day basis. Greenhouse, you're utilizing the sun, you're utilizing supplemental artificial lighting, and in that you can't really control the sun. So your, your ability to control that environment on day to day basis is not as great as if you're, you know, fully indoor. The other thing that, that, you know, greenhouse is really environment uh, dependent. So where greenhouse cultivation for cannabis uh, thrives when you look at um, kind of the the dry, uh, more uh, less humid humid climates such as climate such as um, if you look at Arizona or Colorado areas of the country where the humidity levels aren't quite as high versus the Northeast. You have the ability to use more passive systems for the cultivation. Whereas if you tried to emulate those same level of environmental controls, temperature, and humidity levels within the rooms in the Northeast, it would become much more expensive to do so with the mechanical systems and components that you'd have to put in place.
1: So in part, this controlled environment agriculture, it helps better to control the climate within and also, it doesn't give any of the damaging uh, harm that to the environment, giving back to the environment when in terms of greenhouse gases or any kind of pollution that could be coming as a result. That's what you're eliminating with this type of infrastructure, plus being able to grow anywhere year-round, wherever you are.
0: That's correct. A hundred percent.
1: Let's go into yeah. why this is, a, this is such a benefit. I want to just think, again, from the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, this study— Pretty extensive. Uh I'm gonna read a little bit of the passage as they bring into the study. A variety of horticultural products are grown indoors, either in greenhouses, or increasingly in fully enclosed buildings. Indoor agriculture or controlled environmental agriculture, keep an eye on that term because you're gonna hear that a lot, is an energy-intensive endeavor. Cultivators must create the optimal growing conditions for a commercial crop using artificial lighting heating, cooling, and dehumidification to mimic the ideal outdoor environment favored by each plant. As production ramps up, we are seeing increased interest in limiting the energy used to grow crops indoors. Growers, facility designers, equipment manufacturers, and efficiency program administrators are exploring opportunities to save energy and water and improve the sustainability in the industry. Now, what I want to get from that is... uh, they talk about increasing interest in limiting the energy used. So with the facilities that you're building, how are you able to do that? What are some of the things that are being done in order to limit the amount of energy being used to make it so it's a much more natural grow? And also just the, I guess the resources needed to go in and make this work. Great question.
0: There are, there within the industry, there's a lot of changes that have happened over, you know, just the last, uh, say seven to eight years. Eight years ago when we got in this industry, everything was basically high-pressure sodium lighting, HPS lighting, thousand-watt bulbs, dual-in fixtures, um, heat-intensive, great for, for cannabis cultivation, puts a lot of heat on the leaf of the, the, the plant, on the, the flower and really helps with the, uh, the growth process. The problem being that when you're cultivating, you're, you're trying to work within a, a, what they call vapor pressure deficit, the VPD, uh, which is the, you, what you're doing is trying to get your temperature and your humidity levels in a zone that is optimal for transpiration of the plant thereby uh the, the health of the plant, the growth of the plant. And so working in that VPD zone, when you've got that intense lighting, you're cooling, and generally you're cooling do with the lights on somewhere in the 78 degree range. Lately what we've seen and really starting probably five years ago has been a transition to more LED lighting. LED lighting allows you to bring the room temperature because the light's not so hot. So now instead of 78, you're more in the 82 degree range. And What that does is it lightens the load on the mechanical system and the actual size of the mechanical system. So now your mechanical systems are a little little smaller and you're getting more uh, efficiency out of the system. You've got a lower cost to purchase the equipment and a lower operational cost of that equipment. So LED lighting is is one. And then there's there's different types of mechanical systems that we can look at. So um, uh, DX is is one. Uh, so DX is direct expansion. It's um, you know basically like the Generally, the air conditioning system in your house is split system with a compressor on the outside and an air handler on the inside. When you put those together, you have a package unit, and those are the units that a lot of times you see rooftop, rooftop package units, and DX direct expansion systems. the The industry then began to look at uh, purpose built DX, and one of the first with that was desert air who had been in the, the pool industry desert air then took their dehumidification systems packaged it into a dx system and created one of the first purpose-built dx systems for the cannabis industry uh, there's a lot of different dx brands that have followed to data air zero cool and a handful of others and then Another option is uh, the more like chilled water systems, so air cooled chillers, gas fired chillers. The beauty of those systems are the efficiency of operations, um, especially gas fired chillers, where you get into an area where uh, gas is less expensive than electricity. Now you're operating gas fired chillers using chilled water systems or cool boilers. The deamidification with the coils, and basically you have a more efficient operation.
1: Now let's go ahead and move along real quick. There's so much here, and I'm glad you're you're someone that's able that's very adept to understanding these systems because this would be so far past my pay grade. I mean, by <laughs> by leaps and bounds. <laughs> uh, but let me go ahead and move along now. And from uh, going forward, I'm going to refer to controlled environment agriculture or a CEA for the reference for the rest of the show. So, I want to take more from this uh, study here. Indoor agriculture is experiencing a surge of interest and investment in North America. The 2017 market value for the industry was estimated at 47 billion dollars, with a compound annual growth rate of 3.4 percent estimated for the 2018 to 2023 period. The reasons for the growth are: a) growing consumer interest in year-round access to a wider variety of local source food and flowers. B, concerns about food security and safety. C, expansion of legal markets for recreational and adult-use cannabis. Now, the facilities, much like what you could be using for cannabis, can produce primarily herbs, microgreens, lettuces, tomatoes, berries, and flowers. Crops are in demand year-round. They tend to command higher prices, have shorter shelf lives than other horticultural products. Moving production indoors, growers can produce multiple crops in a single year. A significant portion of cannabis cultivation can also occur in part due to local zoning and other ordinances that limit or prohibit outdoor cultivation. So that's got to be kept in mind, too. In addition to the lack of interstate commerce of cannabis products, forces some growers to operate in states where the outdoor climate is not well suited for cannabis production. CEA growers face a number of barriers. Now, their study did not include cannabis growers, but financing is also a critical issue for them as well and is exacerbated by federal limitations on banking for the industry. The other challenge that respondents identified was building-related issues like pest control and management or environmental conditions. So, really, the industry is still, you know, their hands are tied in some cases, which is why going the CEA route is the is gonna be the best and most optimal route. I,
0: I would agree. I, I think that, you know, again when you talk about regionally, I think that's one of the the focal points within that that part of the article that, you know, especially cannabis, you know, everything is by state, can't cross state lines. So if you're in Massachusetts or Maine, you know, you're up in the northeast. You're really limited on what you can do with the greenhouse. And not to say that you can't do greenhouse cultivation for cannabis, but it has to be, that has to be really a a business decision of what you're trying to grow and what kind of crops and the number of crops that you're going to be able to harvest. When you get into you know, Southern California. That model is going to be completely different. And the beauty of CEA is that CEA being indoor, totally indoor, what you grow, how you grow it, the number of harvests, you're maximizing your flexibility in how you approach the market. Your options are wide open.
1: Let's go and go back to commercial. When we come back, I'm going to talk more with Sam Andrews, senior VP of design services at Urban Grow. And I want to talk to you about your presentation that you had coming out of the MJ Biz conference, which, of course, we did a lot of coverage here on Canvas Radio. Take a look for it at our Grassroots Marketing channel. I did a lot of those interviews, and you can check out that for yourselves. I want to go and ask about some of the things that were brought up there after a short break. Be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. And we're back with Sam Andrews, senior VP of Design and Services at Urban Grow here on Blunt Business. Uh, this was just a little bit off subject, uh, Sam, but I want to ask this question as we come back in. Uh, for those that are looking to go into integrated agriculture, is there anything that you ever do in terms of working on the vertical farming model, where everybody's just stacking not just two floors of plants, but they're doing more than that?
0: I, multi-tier cultivation is is it really comes down to a operational decision, um, you know, a commitment to going multi tier. It, it means a different workflow. It means a different approach to, you know, how your team is coming in and working on a daily basis. It is a, a great way to optimize limited square footage of floor space. By going vertical and taking advantage of a, a higher ceiling, so you know I think that in in general, you know when you look at kind of the uh, obviously the the leafy greens, uh, the food industry has done vertical farming for years. Cannabis really in the last five years has really started to look, especially with the the. Um, Advancements in LED lighting has been able to start to take advantage of that vertical farming.
1: But now have there been anybody? Has there been anyone in terms of the designs you've done of over 150 that have asked for something that was some kind of aspect of vertical farming?
0: Um, absolutely. We we I would say, you know, back in 2015, probably, you know or anything that we did that was multi-tier was really limited to veg. Today, I would say, you know, on average, probably 50 to 60% of what we do is multi-tier cultivation. Oh,
1: fantastic. Let's go and talk about now, you spoke, or your team had spoken at the MGBS conference about why cannabis cultivators in general need integrated architecture, design, and engineering services. And making the point that bringing architecture, engineering, and cultivation systems expertise together just makes good design and financial sense for cannabis cultivators, much as the ancillary business with focus, expertise, benefits, other sectors of the cannabis industry. So for those that come in with the argument, when you have people that approach you about why they should take on integrated architecture, is there anything really basic and simple that you could say that is the overlying factor as to why it's a, a sound option a sound investment
0: i mean the short answer to that is it, the controlled environmental agriculture is is intricate there's a lot of pieces and components that go into it and specifically if i talk about cannabis there's a lot of different ways to cultivate the the one thing you'll hear over and over again this industry is take 10 growers, put them in a room and ask them the best way to grow. And you're going to get 15 to 17 different answers. And and that's a reality. So the goal in integrated cultivation design is to help basically take the, the cultivation methodology that's being proposed by an organization and by their grower make sure that it's it's maximized to be the best and most efficient methodology or implementation of that methodology that you can make happen. At the same time, exploring how to maintain flexibility in the design so that when an owner down the road decides maybe to change their plant spacing or make modifications to their methodology, they have the flexibility to do so. And, and doing that with a integrated team of, of cultivation expertise on the fertigation, benching, lighting, fan layout, environmental control side, the expertise of, of the mechanical and electrical and plumbing, team along with the architectural to be able to explore those things collaboratively in an integrated design process it is unsurpassed. it brings to a a client the opportunity to really uh, explore endless possibilities with the focus on experience and how you get to the end result.
1: Let's go a little break a little bit more. And this is where I'm going to go and direct people to the website, urban growgrocom Let's go and talk about now where we're looking at. If you go on the website, you go right and find information on controlled environmental agriculture. And I want to just say something that, that your team has uh, put out in terms of this: Quote, The complexity of cultivation systems within a cannabis cultivation facility cannot be underestimated. The use of integrated system services when building or adapting facilities not only impacts the plant health, but also the economic competitiveness of the business. Engaging cultivation systems expertise saves time and money during project design and construction, as well as developing buildings and systems that truly create profit-making opportunities once production begins. Using an integrated approach, cultivators would no longer be managing professionals from multiple disciplines who must consult back and forth with each other during the development process. So call to action, Sam, what should companies do to work with a company like urban grow to adopt an engaging cultivation system?
0: Uh, Integrated design solutions. Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. I I think that our focus has urban grow is understanding a business model, a cultivation methodology, and then bringing the the expertise of our team together to help them realize that vision. Uh, Maximize profitability while uh, reducing operational costs. And the the cool thing with the Urban Growth Team is our services really span from initial vision, taking that all the way through to even post operational services with the grow care product, where we're able to do uh, maintenance plans on equipment that we provide, along with um, operational support, past maintenance programs and things like that. So it's it's not a, uh, hey, we design it, it's built now and we wave goodbye. We're really a partner uh, from beginning all the way through operations. It's a it's a solution that that this industry is needed.
1: And on the website, you can see where it's talking about architecture, engineering, systems, integration, and operational support. So even after the bill, always there to help and support. So the website, again, urban-gro.com. And also for those of you that, you know, I'm a, a little bit of a stock uh, follower and I do a little trading on my own. Uh, they are listed on the NASDAQ stock ticker U-G-R-O. Keep an eye on them, uh, especially when we get towards legalization. That's where you want to keep an eye on all cannabis stocks because they're all going to do pretty well going up down the line. So, Sam, I really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. I know, cliche, we really scratched the surface of what we really wanted to talk about when it comes to integrated architecture and controlled environmental uh, agriculture. I really do appreciate you taking the time to go and talk to us and just giving us just an idea. And I hope that this will kind of entice people to go ahead and reach out to you and learn more about the whole system and, and getting themselves involved in that and making the investment.
0: I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. It's a, it's a great show. I listen to it all the time and, And really excited to have had the opportunity to be here with you today. Thank you.
1: I'm really glad you do. And I appreciate the compliment. Uh, Anyway, folks, and I hope you listeners also enjoy listening to this program. Of course, we bring it out to you every week. I actually just took a a count of how many episodes I've done since I took the show and uh, uh, started hosting. It's been 222 episodes counting today in three years. That's pretty, uh, I'm surprised it's been so many for so much. uh, That's awesome. (laughs) yeah just looking at that myself I was like wow that was that, that that took time flew by fast and that's a lot of episodes so go back and binge there's a whole lot to listen to oh please go and do that and folks again remember to go and subscribe wherever you find the podcasts apple amazon google or spotify and we'll talk to you next time The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,